If you would this morning turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 23. This is the second Sunday in Lent and as you know we are actually working through the seven words of Christ from the cross. And so as you can tell in your bulletin here the word today is the word of salvation. And and then we really pick up where we left off last week. We finished reading in 34 and we begin this morning with verse 35 here of Luke 23. Hear these words from Scripture. This is the Word of God. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, quote, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, this is Your Word to us. And so, Lord, we ask that You would now bless the reading of Your Word, our hearing of it, and Lord, would You persuade us this morning by Your Holy Spirit. Would You impress on our hearts this morning what we need to do, what You are calling us to do this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last week was a word of forgiveness. And what a tough word that Jesus says to us from the cross. And that is, as He's being killed, He asks that God would forgive His enemies. And of course, that's a great challenge for us because most of us are not being killed by our enemies uh, and yet we do not forgive them. And so, again, in this season of Lent, we're turning away from what we want. We're denying ourselves, just as uh, Casey's reading was from Mark 8. But we're also turning to Jesus Christ. It's not just a turning away, it's also a turning toward. Today, the Word is the Word of salvation. And... This is an intriguing passage. I've been thinking about it and meditating on it all week long. (laughs) And yet, I still haven't fully grasped what all is going on here. And of course, the Bible is unique in this way. It's amazing in this way. It can be studied and studied and you still can't find the bottom. It's that deep. 
And so, bear with me as I shallowly approach how I believe Luke wants us to hear this morning this passage read and understood. You know, meditation on God's Word is something it also tells us to do. And so meditate with me just as we try to gain focus and gain some perspective here this morning from this this passage. Really, Luke is very focused on different people groups. In the Gospel of Luke, you'll notice different people groups popping up here and there, especially the poor, especially the outcasts. There's a great focus in Luke on the women, which is not there in all the other Gospels. There's a great focus on poor people, uh, which Mark has that, but so does Luke. Um, Anybody that's an outcast, Jesus is very interested in. Even the super rich. You know, they're outcasts too. People don't like, you know, the fat cat up there making all the money. They're the outcasts. And Jesus doesn't exclude them. It's not just the the people that we want Him to see go after, such as the poor. Oh, it's, you know, this extreme home makeover. Oh man, everybody's crying. Move that bus. Move that. You know, but nobody ever reaches out to the rich guy. Oh, he's got it made. He's got everything he could ever want. Jesus does. Anybody that's an outcast in the Gospel of Luke, he goes to. Think of Zacchaeus. All these people around, and he notices this little short dude up in a tree who is super rich. No pointing fingers. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now, the first thing is this. You've got several people groups. If Just in Bible study, you want to identify the different people groups. Well, first off, in verse 35, you start off with the people. What are they doing? They're standing by and watching. Then you're introduced to the rulers who are scoffing at Jesus. Then you're introduced to the soldiers who are also mocking Jesus. And we also, it's not necessarily a people group, but it's someone else who is mocking, and that is the sign that is above him. So as he's dying, they place this sign above him that tells you why he's being murdered, why he's being killed. And then you also have the two criminals. One on his right hand, and one on his left. And they both have opposing views about who... Who this man is. And of course, then at the end of this whole thing, and the very focus of this whole passage is Jesus Christ Himself, who's not only in the center of the two criminals, but He's in the center of this story. He's who everyone is mocking or scoffing at or watching. He is the center. And this morning, I want to keep Him center, but as we move through these different people groups, I want to show you their perspective as well and ask you, and myself as well, is this us? The first thing is this. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Because there is a difference. The herd is always moving in a direction. And it's just like in our media today. If you are created by the media, then you can be killed by the media or destroyed by the media. It's it's the same old thing that always happens. Somebody blows up in the media and then all of a sudden there's a scandal and in the media, of course quote-unquote, crucifies them. There were many fans of Jesus. People liked what He did. Who doesn't like to be healed? Who doesn't like to see miracles? Who doesn't like fireworks? And yet, when He was told to do them on demand, He didn't do them. You remember, He came. He comes to His hometown, and everybody's like, 
Alright, boy, you're finally here. We've been waiting. We've heard that you've done all these miracles. Show us. Here, we got, we got some sick people right here. You go, go ahead. And he says, no. There'll be no sign done here in this town. And I, well, what do you mean? Here, here's some sick people. You, you just emptied a hospital out over here in Galilee. You're not going to heal these folks? God is not manipulated by us. The point of Jesus is not just so we can get what we want. (laughs) If you know anything about yourself, that's the last thing you need is what you want. The last thing Jackson needs today is to be able to do whatever he wants to do. It really is. He needs to do what I tell him to do or what his mother tells him to do. If not, Frank will end up killing him. It's that serious around our house. You know, somebody doesn't obey, somebody doesn't stay in line, somebody's going to end up with an eye. You know, they're going to have a patch next week. Because children don't know how to act. They don't know what they need truly. And so we have to inform of that. And the Scripture says, you know what? We are children of God. We don't know what we need. And we get caught up sometimes in the fanfare of Jesus in being recognized as a fan of His without actually following Him. So we come to church, we are given the name, and yet we don't actually deny ourselves. We don't take up our cross. We don't follow Him. The first people group here is they're standing by and watching. Are you a skeptic of Jesus? Just If you were there that day, would you just be sitting there, hands in pocket, hmm, watching? Could be. This doesn't seem to be the worst of the group. Although the herd puts Him on the cross with their crucify Him. Crucify, of course, they're, they're, you know, who interjects this saying is the rulers. But again, the herd blows Jesus up in Jerusalem and also ends up getting Him crucified. When he comes into the into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, they're praising him, you know, taking off their jackets and laying them down and branches. But then that same crew is saying, "Crucify him later on," because the herd shifts quickly. Fanfare dies off quickly. Don't be a fan of Jesus. Be one of his followers. Actually, deny yourself. Don't just listen to what everybody else is doing. It's sometimes in some groups it's cool to be Christian. Here in the Bible Belt, it's great to be Christian. But what if they start imposing a tax on us? You know, this is how Muslims historically have gotten rid of Christians in their area. Just put a tax on people. You don't have to go kill them. Don't go torture them. Just make them pay for being a Christian. And you know what? Historically, people move out of those areas. They're not going to stay in there and pay the extra. Be treated differently. Are we just standing by and watching Him as He dies? Maybe even critiquing Him? What if He did this? Or what if He did that? Is the paralysis of our doubt, just like the guy in Mark 2 that comes to Jesus through the roof by his friends. 
Is our doubt keeping us from following Jesus? Are we just kind of on the fringes? Or are we actually following Him? If you were there that day, would you have been counted a follower? Or would you just stand and watch? The other group are mockers, scoffers. People who mock the way of God. Notice that the rulers, they're not just standing there, they're actually scoffing at Him. And if you read Psalm 22, which I highly suggest you do, at some point in this Lenten season, Psalm 22, there are so many things in there that you'll read it from that psalm and say, I remember where that happens in the Gospel story. Them wagging their heads, it says. Just like when we say, when somebody tells us what oh so-and-so did last week, and we say, hmm. Do we sit there and wag our heads at God, not understanding, and just saying, what is this? What really, I mean, I, I like all this stuff that Jesus offers, love and forgiveness and compassion and you know, social justice and all the That's great, but we don't like to look at the cross. Nobody likes to look at the cross. I don't like to look at the cross. One of the greatest movies, The Passion of the Christ. You know, I've only seen it once because I don't want to watch it again. We don't like to look at that. My heart was hurting in that movie, breaking in that movie. I was cringing in my seat. I was saying, don't do it, Peter. Don't betray him. I was rooting for him. And yet, when we come to the Scriptures, we just kind of gloss over this section. We don't meditate on His death. God hanging on a cross, naked, beaten, being mocked by people. And you know, we, we say to ourselves, and I, look, I say to myself, I say, look, I'm not a mocker of God. I don't mock God. I don't make fun of God. I mean, just imagine if you were dying or you saw someone dying and people are actually making fun of them as they die. What better, what worse way to go out of the world? What better way to kind of put the knife in and twist it than to make fun of somebody when they're dying? And yet, this is exactly what mocking is. It's a form of making fun. Justin used to do it to me all the time. I wasn't dying, of course. But he would mock me, especially when we'd get into an argument. And I'd be trying to make a point. I'd be very serious and scowled and very focused. And he'd just, very focused, very focused. You know, just repeating what I'm just mocking me. And I'm just like, I want to punch him in the face. I want to punch him in the face. You know, it's one of those kind of things. Don't you hate it when somebody does that? Just mocking. It makes everything you're doing insignificant. And they're trying to make what Jesus is doing here insignificant. Now let me ask you something very serious, and that is, have you made Jesus' death insignificant in your life? In your Christian life, have you meditated upon His death? Because that's what we do during this time of preparation for Easter is we look at the cross, force ourselves to turn and look. Not mock. Not make fun of. The world hasn't stopped making fun of Jesus. Just turn on Saturday Night Live and they do it all the time. Turn on any comedy show and Jesus is a focal point. His death is one of the most famous deaths and yet it's made fun of often. 
you know, the world applauded, at least the postmodern world, when uh, an artist urinated in a jar and put a cross in it, a crucifix with Jesus on it. That's art today. That's how the world sees what he did as nothing. Waste. What a wasted life. This is exactly how the rulers see him. As they are scoffing at him, they say, look, he saved other people. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Is Jesus still an if to you? If He's the Son of God, let Him do it. God, if You're there, do this. God, if You're there, do that. Are we still on that kind of level with God? That elementary level? It's okay if you are, but you need to go deeper. He's calling you to something deeper than that. God is not our little dog and pony show. He doesn't do what we want Him to do when, he wants, when we want Him to do it. He is God. And here He is dying on a cross and these people are demanding, He saved other people, why can't He save Himself? But is Jesus here to save Himself? Is He even concerned with Himself? Haven't they just heard what He said? Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. The last thing on His mind is the self. And yet it's the first thing on my mind. How do people see me? How do I look? What do other people think about me? When you're going through crucifixion, all that goes out the window. You're literally suffocating to death in front of people while you're naked, uncontrollably. You're nailed to a tree. He's already been beaten. He doesn't even look like a man. John says. He's been beaten so bad. You know, we make fun of Him in another way, and that is with our life. We live most of our life, most of our day, most of this morning, as if there was no God. Now, of course, when we come in here, we start, you know, cranking the motors up. All right, let's just thank God. Yeah, okay, then, yeah, I need to be very respectful. And I need to. What about this morning at 7 o'clock? What about this morning at 8? Where was God in your life? Was He even a thought? Did you prepare your heart? Did you even breathe a prayer out this morning that was five seconds long? We mock God because we take on His title and yet we don't live it. We live as if there is no God. We're what's called practical atheists. We may not claim atheists. We think of ourselves as very nice. Oh yeah, I believe in God. That's not me for sure. And yet we don't live it. And which one is... Remember the story that Jesus always gives. I always had to chuckle at it. About the father who had two sons. He says, guys, I need you to go work out in the field. One of them says... Nope, not going to do it. i got other things to do, man. Sorry, Pop. The other says, okay, I'll do it. The one who says he'll do it doesn't do it. The one who said he wouldn't do it says, you know what, I'm going to go out there and do it. He needs help. He's old. And he actually does it. And Jesus turns to those guys and says, who do you think was more pleasing to their father? The guy who did it. 
It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It matters what you do. (laughs) Anybody can say they have the faith of Abraham. But who's willing to take their only son to a mountain and sacrifice him? You can't tell me that there's no works in faith. Because the Bible never separates the two. When we look at our life, is it mocking God? Is The reality is, I've mocked God in my life. I've been right here with these people, making fun of Him. Making fun of His death, so I can look better. So I can do what I want to do. The psalmist and the writer of Proverbs, Solomon... Both say the same thing about fools. And that is, it's foolish to believe there isn't a God, but it's also foolish to go against God's way in the world. It's like saying to yourself, that wall doesn't exist. You can say that all day long. And you can run into it for the next five minutes till you pass out. But you'll realize that that wall actually does exist no matter how much you think it doesn't or maybe your feelings or or that there is no... It doesn't matter about all that. What matters is there is a wall. There is a way in the world because God created that way and you can run into it as many times as you want and hurt yourself, but the point is you must be following that way. It is His way. It is the only way. And to not follow it is a form of foolishness, the proverb writer says. That is what it means to be foolish. You're mocking God with the way you live because you're living against His way in the world. And then there's this title that is set above Him. Of course, the soldiers, they mock Him as well. They've already mocked him before by blindfolding him and slapping him and trying to force him to, again, use his supernatural powers. And he doesn't do it. He just remains silent. This inscription, this is the king of the Jews. (laughs) Even in trying to mock him, they're speaking the truth. That's what's ironic here in Luke. With all this mockery and laughing and jeering and railing at Him, they're actually speaking the truth about Him. And that is, He is the Son of God. But He's not concerned with saving Himself. He's not there for Himself. They're all saying, save yourself! And yet what He's doing is for them. Do you know that Jesus has died for you? I know He's died for the world, but do you know He's died for you? Have you come to that realization in your heart? Do you know that He's died for even my sins? It's not good enough that He's died for the sins of the world. It has to be for your sin. If you don't know that this morning, you don't have freedom. You don't have forgiveness. Bring your sin to Jesus. Present yourself on a cross exposed. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, 
deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You can't bear Jesus' cross, but you can bear your cross. (laughs) And you know what? There's resurrection on the other side if we'll only die. And yet it's the hardest thing in life to do is to die to ourself. You know, it's easy to love, and it's also hard, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, is to love. It's something my three-year-old Baylor can do. He can love. And yet it's the hardest thing he'll ever do in his life is love. Same thing with dying to yourself. It's easy. You can do it for five minutes. You can do it for an hour in a place like this. And yet it's the most difficult thing in the world to do. But He can help. He's already done it. That's the point. And the Holy, the same Spirit that helped Him can help us, is available to us. It's the mystery of the Gospel. It's the good news of the Gospel. But we must turn our face to Him. You see, they had a title above His name. Don't leave Jesus just a title in your life. Oh yeah, He's the Son of God. Oh yeah, He's the Messiah. Oh yeah, He's this. No, you see, in this passage, salvation doesn't come to the criminal, doesn't come to anybody else until they say the name of Jesus. They give Him all these titles. Christ of God, Chosen One, King of the Jews, the soldiers, King of the Jews. Are you the Christ, the criminal says. Do you fear God, the other criminal says. But then finally, when salvation comes, is in verse 42, where he says, and he said, Jesus. He's not just a title. He's not just an idea. He's not just a philosophy. He's not just a religion. He's Jesus. He is a real person that is in this room now. He's Jesus. He's here to help. He is for you. He still bears the scars of His earthly life for you. His name is Jesus. And only in that name is there salvation. Only in that person is the way found. Jesus. Jesus. It's the sweetest name on earth. He's the most powerful person in the world. It's not Barack Obama. It's not Ahmadinejad in Iran. It wasn't Xerxes or Artaxerxes or Alexander the Great. He is the most powerful person in all of the world. And He's here for you. He's for you. It's it's the good news this morning. It's the good news that Luke is trying to point out among all these titles and all these people speaking and spewing this stuff. There's one guy in this situation, just one, who says, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And apparently, he thought it was going to be a while before he entered the kingdom. But Jesus says, no, son. 
today you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow. Not 4,000 years from now. It's today. And what does the Bible say? Today is the day of salvation. Not an hour from now. Right now is salvation. The heavens have opened. God's grace is available. But it won't be, it may not be for you two days from now. We're not in control of God's grace. It's one of the greatest mistakes I ever made in my life was I thought God was my little jackpot machine. My little casino machine where anytime I needed Him, I could just 24-7 go there, put in my money, and get what I needed. And He taught me a week before February 27th, 28th, 1999, He taught me a week before that that I wasn't in control. It was the scariest moment of my whole life. I knew that no matter how long I prayed, how hard I prayed that night, nothing would be done because it wasn't on my terms. It wasn't on my time. It was on God's time. And I had to wait a week. Most of us say, oh, God's not like that. Are you sure about that? He says, seek Him with your whole heart. You won't find Him until it's with your whole heart. Most of us think we've already given our whole heart, but as you find out in marriage, as you find out with children, you haven't. Your heart's very deep. And we are very shallow. Truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. The point is that He's with Jesus. <laughs> That's what paradise is. Paradise is not some garden. Paradise is being with God. Being with our Maker. The trees will never satisfy us. The animals will never satisfy us. Nothing materially can. There's only one who can satisfy, and that's Jesus. Are you willing to come home? You ever been away on a far off trip? You just want to get back home. As I said in Act of Valor, that new movie that's out, you're always trying to get back home. Everybody's trying to get back home. That's all we're trying to do. He's offering home now, today. You can be with Him in paradise, even in grief. Even in a world of mockery, in a world of sin, in a world of physical pain. The saints of the past found paradise in this world because paradise is Jesus Christ. It's being with Him. Are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you willing to follow Him to a place of the skull? Verse 33. And die. It's the only thing He offers in this meal. This is the only thing. It's the only way to approach this holy institution of communion. The very name means with Him. There's no other way to commune with God except through Jesus Christ. 
And there's no better way to remember Jesus Christ than in this meal. He Himself tells us that. And so this morning... Everything else.